Thanks for listening to the RCF podcast. If you're a college student, a faculty member, or you live in the area and appreciate what you hear on this podcast, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday evening during the semester at the University of Rhode Island. It's from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. in the URI Memorial Union Atrium 1. We'll sing together, pray together, and hear a message from God's Word. So come join us. Be sure to check our social media or website for updates on the schedule. And now, enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RCF Podcast. I'm here today with Jonathan Soule. John, you've been on the podcast before. He's a pastor at Quidneset Baptist Church. John, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. It's always a pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me on. We are going to talk about a subject today that uh, I think a lot of people probably don't think about. I wanted to ask you the question, why is it important to study the past in regard to the church, in regard to Christianity? Well, I think first and foremost, origins matter. Where did we come from? What is it that we believe, and how has that been understood throughout the years? I think it's important to study the past just so we know that, hey, we don't follow this religion that was kind of made up in the last couple hundred years, or this is something that my parents made up or whatever, or just started following. But there's a long line that goes back all the way back, really, uh, to the beginning. So being able to trace your, your lineage, a lot of people like Ancestry.com, right? They, they want to trace their family tree back and as far as they can go. Well, we can also trace the past when we think about Christianity all the way back to its founder, yeah. Jesus Christ. So I think it's important knowing our origins. I think it's important because it informs us as we would study the past, it can inform us in the present and help guide our decisions and actions to the future. It's C.S. Lewis who coined the phrase chronological snobbery, mm-hmm. right? In that, you know, either we look to the past and put our own thoughts back there or we just disregard it. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, I think we make a mistake. If it's not a mistake, it's it's certainly negligent to not consider the past. Yeah, what do we miss if we don't consider the history of the church over the past 2,000 years? Where did I get my Bible? Mm. Where did where did this book come from? Yeah. You know, was it some secret tablets, golden tablets from heaven? Uh, no, absolutely not. I claim that I believe in the inerrancy, the infallibility of the Word of God, these 66 books, but I don't even know where it came from. If I'm not going to study the past, I just have to accept that someone else knows where it came from and I have to believe them. So we think about our Bible. How did we get that? History in the past informs us. Mm. Um, So speaking of of the Bible, I think that is a great point because you may have a, a Bible that says with the Apocrypha on it. What does that mean? I've had students show up and they say, why does my Bible have these extra books and yours doesn't? What do we do with that? How does studying the past help us understand that? Well, yeah, when you think about the books of the Apocrypha, most of them, minus a couple, are from this intertestamental period, right? So it's between the end of the Old Testament before the beginning of the New Testament. Those books, people knew about them, but even in Judaism, they didn't even recognize those as Scripture. Old Testament Jews, they don't recognize these books as Scripture. The early church did not recognize them as Scripture. They were never 
totally agreed upon. They were contested. And when were those books actually canonized? Oh, wow. Uh, over a thousand years later, right? Um, and <laughs> Do you know exactly when? I don't have the date off, off the top of my head. Do you have the date? 12, 12, 15? It was later. It was later than that? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Wow. Council of Trent. Council of Trent. What? So when were those books canonized? Well, they were officially recognized by the Roman Catholic Church in 1546. What was going on around then? The Reformation. <laughs> I mean, you've 1517, and this is the Council of Trent. So the Council of Trent is actually the counter-Reformation. It was a response to Luther and Zwingli and, and this really the sola scriptura, you, you mm-hmm. know, scripture alone, faith alone, uh, Christ alone, salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone for the glory of God alone. And so, yeah, I mean, all the other books, 66 of these books agreed upon, understood as holy scripture since the first century. Now let's take this other section of books as the Protestant reformers were recognizing these are the scriptures. Like they were all that they didn't, they didn't determine what the scriptures were. All they did was because they were students of history, just looked back what the church had always done. Right. And so uh, canonized in at the Council of Trent in the 16th century. Yeah. That's not that long ago. And so that helps to answer our question to examine the history of the church over 2,000 years. What did they believe? What did they teach? And what were they teaching from? Oh, here's a few extra books should that be there? So looking over the the history of the church, knowing the past, I think is really helpful. So that's one example of why it's so important to know your church history, right? What are some other reasons why we would need to know the past? Certainly. I know when uh, I was in my undergrad and I took early church history as my first, uh, the first history class, I had this big black hole of understanding. The Apostle John kind of closes out the first century, the book of Revelation. Basically, from that point, there was this German monk, you know, nailing things to the castle door in Wittenberg. It's like, what happened during this whole period of time? And I believed, I had faith as a Christian, but I didn't have understanding. And so one thing that I learned was in the first 300, 400 years of the church, every single error heresy that has ever come up was leveled against the church. I mean, literally the gates of hell were coming against the church in every form and fashion. And the church was able to respond to and defend and overcome all these errors. And so what has happened, and this has really strengthened my faith, just trusting the word of God, trusting the promises of God, trusting the promises of Christ. But what has happened now is all of those errors and all of those heresies have just been repackaged uh, under a different title, because if the evil one's after the church, he's got he's leveled everything he's got, and so mm-hmm. now um, they just take a different name. Mm-hmm. And so, some of these new things that we're facing, of like this, I don't like my body, mm-hmm. that was just called Gnosticism, or you know, Jesus is the firstborn, uh, Jesus and Satan are brothers. Okay, Jehovah's Witness, that was just called Arianism. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, like, all of those things occurred already. And by knowing these challenges that the church faced and how they were able to deal with and overcome uh, strengthens our faith. 
it hopefully makes us aware of what we're facing today. Solomon mm-hmm. says there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. and it is absolutely true. Yeah, all of the early creeds and confessions, those were all battling against various heresies. You know, where where did these things come from? Why do we have those? It was because they were often, early on, it was the Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. That was a, a big error that people were going in all kinds of different ways about, you know, Jesus's relation to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. You know, is it modalism? Yeah. Um, you know, that he just yeah. changes forms. I mean, that's what we would call it today. I don't know what it was, you know, they didn't have a, back, yeah. <laughs> back right. in the day. But yeah, we, we see that in the form of modalism today where people actually are teaching this, that that it's one God who just changes forms. And so if you're not aware of that, you may hear this teaching and say, that sounds good. But then what's the danger of that? What, what do I step into if I think that Jesus was just God the Father in human form, and he wasn't at the time God the Father, he, or he wasn't the Holy Spirit at that time? Mm-hmm. What danger do I face there? You fall into the same trap, into the same error, into the same heresy, and we fail to recognize the testimony of Scripture and also the value of our brothers of the past that have worked through that. Instead of starting from nothing when it comes to dealing with modalism, when it comes to dealing with Jesus being the firstborn created, so whatever kind of Jesus error heresy, whatever kind of Trinitarian heresy, whatever kind of addition to the scriptures, all of those kinds of things, we don't have to start at the beginning, you know, from scratch. We can look back on a wealth of information and and learn from those that came before us and how they dealt with these things. And we can be faithful in the same way to walk in that path. So it's a disregard, really a disregard for the same men who have been guided by the same Holy Spirit who has promised Jesus, who has promised to build his church, we're able to to continue on that path. It's, it's really like passing the torch and us carrying the torch along all the way back to the beginning. You know, one other thing, I think a question that arises these days, you look around at all these different churches, why are they all in existence? Uh, why... Do we have Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists and Episcopalians and you you name it, uh, Assemblies of God? Why do we have all of these denominations and different churches? And I mean, you go into Mormonism and all of these. So where did these come from? And are they all Christianity? What is true? And what about some of these would be in error? What about some of these would be problematic? Uh, I think it's helpful for us to understand the past, to, to research the past, because otherwise we have that tendency to say, well, I'm Baptist, and so this is what Baptists believe, this is what I believe. Well, shouldn't we be checking everything against Scripture? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I mean, that, that's where it starts. But then also, what has the Church believed that's really helpful for us, because if my own denomination or my own family, you know, whatever our belief system is, if we just always believed this, maybe I'm going down the wrong path. And and I want to know that. And that was really helpful for me as I've dug into several different things. I know a big question of division today comes with charismatic Pentecostal Christianity versus cessationist or at least non-charismatic branches. And you think, what's the difference? Well, 
looking into church history, I looked into it and I'm like, okay, something happened about 1900. Mm, um, in Kansas? What happened there? Yeah, in yeah. Kansas. And then the Azusa Street Revival, all of that kind of stuff. You start looking into that and what went on there. And you see how even they had differing opinions in regards to what tongues were. Mm-hmm. And, but then looking before that, wh- where did that come from? Well, there there was a, a little bit of it with the Wesleyan holiness movement yeah. in the 1800s, yeah. right? Where did that come from? And you see Wesley, John Wesley, was actually influenced by the Montanists, well, who are the Montanists? There you go. They got to go back to what's that second century, second and third century. Yes, yeah, yeah. and and that's and there's there's your repackaging. Yes, right? and Montanus was uh, condemned as a heretic and removed from the church. Yeah, and he had some crazy views, not just like a continuation of gifts. Right, and that's something that you would. I would caution anyone is look how someone finishes too. Mm-hmm. Like Montanus, you are absolutely right. And there's the connection that yeah. Wesley all the way back, he had to, well, he had to go back 1500 years yeah. because everyone was a cessationist for 1500 <laughs> years, you know, like, except for like this maybe current that wasn't, but like, yeah. yeah. So you wonder, you know, was the Holy Spirit not at work for 1500 years? And so knowing church history, going back and looking at those things, where did these things come from? It's so helpful. It explains a lot. It explains those differences of why certain streams believe differently, right? And and I think it's really important to seeing that, especially when it comes to 1517 or 1520s. That's, you know, the time of the Protestant Reformation, because the knock on the Protestant tradition is that, oh, your church just started 500 years ago. Mm -hmm. And what we have to see is the church that Christ formed over time became deformed, and in the 16th century, early 16th century, it was reformed. And that's very important to understand, is that something new wasn't created in the 16th century, but it was a recovery of what had been corrupted. I think that's very important for us to understand because it was it was the hierarchical structure, it was the it was the papacy, it was all of those things that total corruption had infiltrated. And so the Protestant Reformation is a call back to being a faithful Bible-believing church where the supremacy of the Word is what drives faith and practice. And it wasn't Scripture and, it wasn't Scripture and tradition, it was Scripture alone that is the sole rule and guide of faith. So understanding all of these things, it helps to just make sense of where we are and Mm -hmm. know that we stand in a long line of godly men and women. Church history can strengthen us to fight against or to combat the challenges of our present, but it is also meant to ground us in the faith mm-hmm. and guardrails mm-hmm. on both sides that so we don't step out, out of bounds. It, yeah, it really helps a lot of times because if you read a passage and you come up with a new idea that you're like, I've got this idea, this is what the passage means, and nobody has had that idea for 2,000 years, or maybe they did in the early church and were condemned, yeah, right? <laughs> then that's a good guardrail to know, okay, I'm, I'm getting off track. Yeah, whose company am I standing in yeah. with this interpretation? <laughs> and if it's like I stand on an island of one, I would just question the interpretation, and then I would question necessarily, why hasn't the Holy Spirit of God guided any other men (laughs) into that truth? That's a good point. Uh, I I would say if you're somebody that's interested in history, 
there's many fantastic books. Uh, uh, I read, I think it was uh, Justo Gonzalez on his early church history. It was a simple read. It was just informative, and it's a helpful resource to grab. It's accessible, and it really helps to just kind of fill in some understanding. Don't start at the Reformation. Um, <laughs> right. That's like starting a movie halfway through and trying to figure out what's been going on. Yeah. So look at early church history. It's helpful. Yeah, and so there's some good books out there that'll give you more of a general history, um, and and that can be helpful. But I, I would encourage you to go to the source material. So like when you oh, yeah. when you're reading some of these guys, Augustine, for instance, go back and read what he wrote. Luther, uh, if you're going to go Reformation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, read what he wrote. Read even what I was talking about in regard to. Azusa Street and some of those things, William Seymour, right? Mm-hmm. Because what was he actually saying? Not just what did somebody else say did about Charles him. Charles Parham, right? Right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So those were the two guys yeah. in regards to Pentecostalism. And mm-hmm. so read their writings and some of it, you, you may be like, this is wrong, mm-hmm. you know? It, sure. It, because I think we can tend sometimes to just read and overview history by somebody whom we agree with. Yeah. And, and I want to go to the source material. So as much as you can, and because many of the early church fathers even, there's writings out there. You can access them for free on the internet mm-hmm. these days, which is amazing. So go to the source material, but do your homework, not just living in the present but going back and seeing what the church has said and done in the centuries past, let that help us learn so that we can grow in the faith. Mm, yeah, that's great. Well, John, thanks for joining us again today. It's good to have you on the podcast. Yeah, always. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks for listening to the RCF podcast. If you have questions, you can email us, podcast at roadiefellowship.com. And if you'd like more information on Rody Christian Fellowship, visit our website, rodiefellowship.com, or find us on Instagram at rodiefellowship.